Hello everyone, I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia Farm Team, welcoming you again to the latest episode of Dairy Pod, which should again be a must-listen for every dairy farmer. We've had a really good response to the last Dairy Pod episode, where some of the practical implications of the COVID-19 pandemic for dairy farmers were highlighted and discussed. With COVID-19 spreading across Australia, and this unprecedented situation for us all changing rapidly by the day, Dairy farmer Andrew Perry from Congwack in South Gippsland has taken a number of critical steps to protect the people on his farm and the farm business itself. Andrew believes that dairy farmers need to take COVID-19 threat extremely seriously or otherwise risk serious damage to their business, as well as their health and that of farm family members and farm staff. So Steph Bullen, Dairy Australia's Animal Health and Fertility Lead, caught up with Andrew via an online call to find out what exactly he's been doing to fight COVID-19 on his farm. The guys did have some minor difficulties with the technology, but managed to have a really good conversation. So have a listen. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Steph. So uh, this is a a follow-on podcast from the uh, COVID-19 podcast we did the other day with John Penry, um, our our Manager of Technical Innovation. Um, We're here talking to dairy farmer Andrew Perry uh, about some of the ways in which he's practically implementing uh, COVID-19 controls on his farm. Um, He's taking it really seriously uh, because of the impacts on his business. And and I just thought it was a really great opportunity to to hear from Andrew about really um, what what does COVID-19 mean for him and and what he's doing on his business. So Andrew, I'm wondering if we could begin, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about where where you farm, um, the size of your farm and perhaps a little bit of the staff structure breakdown in your business? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're about a 300 cow farm. Uh, we've got a herringbone shed. We are a pretty simple system, really. We uh, carve our cows in spring and we employ, well, as myself and another full time, and then two part times and two casuals to help us now and again with some milkings as well. Okay, Andrew, um, and as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you're taking COVID-19 really seriously um, on your farm. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what's, what's your thoughts and what's your philosophy in terms of managing COVID on your farm? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess we're taking it seriously. I mean, we're viewing it as a risk where farmers are used to dealing with risks. We deal with risks all the time with the climate, but uh, yeah, this is a slightly different risk. The reason we're taking it seriously, I suppose, is we're, we've been very fortunate this season, extremely fortunate, possibly with conditions of a career down South Gippsland. We've got had an extraordinary season for growing grass, coupled with a record milk price for Southern Victoria. So us personally, we're extremely highly geared, which is not unusual for dairy farms. So this has been a year to try and get ahead a little bit. Now, then we get COVID-19 thrown into the mix. And I mean, <laughs> at best, if COVID-19 was to to rear its head with any of our staff, any of our team, then, um, well, firstly, it's going to impact our potential to capitalise on a possible once in a career season. But uh, but also, because we're so highly geared, if 
It appears that when people are getting COVID-19, like they, they get sick, but after about seven to eight days, they can really crash and then have to head to hospital. And if they have to be intubated, well, that's, that's like a three-week commitment on a ventilator. And then, um, then you need to get over at the end of it. I mean, and if one of us gets sick, if we're not careful, the whole team will get sick. And we could go from a situation very quickly where we have an extraordinary season to one that could financially cripple the business. So being so heavily geared, being such a contagious virus that could spread amongst our staff very quickly, I am concerned that if it was to to get into our team, that it could could pose a threat to the business when we're so far in debt. Uh, as these things happen when we're recording over the internet, uh, poor old Andrew has dropped off, but he's just rejoined us by phone. Thanks for joining us again, Andrew. So, Andrew, before you uh, cut out, uh, we were hearing a little bit about why coronavirus is so important to you and your farm business. Are you able to tell us a little bit about uh, some of the specific measures that you've put in place to protect your uh, to protect yourselves and your farm team? Yeah, sure. Uh, really, on the weekend, we decided to to get serious about cutting out any risks we can. Um, look, I don't know whether we're reading the situation correctly or not, but I imagine the virus is here to stay for quite a while now. It looks like the the, the government strategy is just to control the virus to a level that our health system can cope with it while while a lot of us eventually get the virus and hopefully get better with the healthcare system coping with it. Um, so the strategies we've put in place are there for to see us through a long period of time. I am led to believe at this stage that they're not necessarily expecting the peak of cases to present to hospitals to, until mid-June. So whatever we need to do needs to take a fairly long-term view, if I'm correct. I might be completely wrong, but I'm making my decisions on my best reading of the current situation. So on the weekend, we made several changes. We, my full-time employee and myself have decided to do to share all the milkings between us, just one person in the shed. We haven't got a big shed, it's an 18 swing over and it's quite narrow. So we thought, well, well, we are used to milking the cows by ourselves from time to time through the shed. We will we'll take that measure now uh, with the view that we can, we're lucky enough that we can still call on other members of staff from time to time to, to do milkings if, if we're getting worn down, we uh, but we are going to work more frequently, but uh, but not work as long during the day. So we'll only ever do one milking per day for the next little while. We'll work every day and just do one milking per day. Um, on the weekend, one of the first things we did was work out what supplies we might need in case we can't get access to them so I hadn't put any fertilizer on there's enough like we think there's enough 
moisture around nice dewy mornings to warrant just blanket fertilising the whole farm in one go. I've never done that before. That's not the way I normally do things, but I don't. who knows what's going to happen, what measures the government's going to take. So I didn't want to get caught without fertiliser. So first thing Monday, the whole farm was done with fertiliser and we stocked up on what we thought we would need through through the local rural merchandise store, got all the uh, shed chemicals. I even <laughs> took the measure of buying the year's dry cow all ready to go. I, that might be a going over the top, but I don't want to get caught with that. So that's what we did from a, uh, a stock perspective. Um, I guess from the day-to-day, if you want to know about what we do now from the day-to-day, from the point we arrive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we, if, if it was me milking first, Matt would do the same thing as me, but rock up to the shed. Before I get out of the car, we've, we've each got gloves in our car. Before we even get out of the car, we stick gloves on. We have a bottle of metho with us. We get out, we go to the door of the dairy. We spray the door of the dairy down with metho. We open it. We spray the edge of the door on the other side. We spray the, the light switch with metho. We go to the, the refrigeration control box and the wash control box and we spray that down with metho. We go to the wash coupling and fat hose couplings and spray them down with metho. And then because we can't get the, the bottom side with metho, we've got the teat wipes and we, we get the teat wipes out and we wipe, wipe what we can't get with the spray bottle down with, with the teat wipes. I don't know. I don't know about everyone else, but I reckon I each time I dry cows off, I uh, I use about ten teat wipes on every teat, and I still can't get through them. I've got this massive stockpile of teat wipes, so this is a good opportunity for me to get through some of the teat wipes. I think. But uh, the yeah. yeah, so we generally only wear gloves when we're milking, but now from the moment. Well, before we get out of the car, we put gloves on and we have gloves with us the whole entire day. We don't, we, if a glove breaks, we put another glove straight on. We've got gloves on for the whole entire day now. Uh, so at the moment, one person's milking in the shed, but we have got another member of staff who'll come in and do milkings for us if we start to get tired. And the other thing we've told each other to do is if either of us is starting to get tired we need to keep ourselves in tip-top shape so we let let each other know and we 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 make a plan to to make sure we rest and same if one of us is feeling crook too so Andrew just while you're talking about the staff um you mentioned sort of at the beginning of the podcast that you've got uh two part-time workers as well have you so you and your business partner or or your full-timer are sharing the the milking load what what are your part-timers doing are they still working on the farm or have you allocated other tasks to them we had a we had a, a frank conversation with all our members of staff on the weekend and we, it was, it was a two-way conversation, but we, 
decide it was in everyone's best interest that at the moment myself and Matt do the work. The caveat was that uh, to that was that particularly with some of the members of staff, we call on them if we needed them. And likewise, if they needed the money, they would call on us because we've got a second beef farm and farm we put all the dry cows and and heifers too, and there's work out there. We, If they need the money, we can employ them out there and they'll be well away from, from us. So our potential to spread anything to them, their potential to spread anything to us is, is minimised. We want to keep them healthy, but we also want to keep them fine from a financial standpoint because at the end of the day, when all this passes, they're, they're valued employees, we want them back on the farm, and if we do get crook, we're going to need someone to to step into the farm and, and run it until we get better. So, so doing the best thing for them and keeping them happy with the current situation and making sure they're not struggling too much financially is is in our best interest as much as what it is in theirs. And Andrew, one of the other um, things that we spoke about uh, the other day when we were sort of talking about the steps that you were taking is that uh, both you and your full-time uh, employees' partners have had slight changes in their employment as well from a protection of the business perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So both of our partners were in high-risk high, high exposure jobs, I guess you could say. If our dairy farm has to be shut down for a period of time when we're so far off drying off the cows, we won't be able to carry that financially. So if she was to get sick at work, to spread it to me, and neither of us could work, and if we spread it to Matt, well, we're not going to be able to cope with that financially, whereas her little bit of income from her job is just cherry on top. And really... It's the same of our employee too. They've they've got their own personal financial circumstances, and the his job here is the lowest risk. It's I I, I don't know about their pay situations, but he's he's got a good paying job here. That they have made the decision that they're better off to take the lower risk and look after their job here, which I certainly had nothing to do with that decision, but it fits in quite nicely to our risk profile on our farm. So, so yeah, that's that's our situation. Um, there's certainly other strategies we're taking in place on the farm too at the moment. Um, yeah, could you tell us about those? Yeah, well, uh, the <clears throat> at the moment, uh, I'm doing all the tractor work at the moment. Um, not that we, we've got a very simple system at the moment. The only tractor work that's getting done is to, to feed out a bit of silage after milking. So there's not too much to do there. We may as well minimise what we can. What minute risk... I mean, we're never going to eliminate all the risks, but what risks we can minimise, it isn't going to put too much pressure on the business. We're doing it. And it's even little things like... When your phone rings and what do you do there? Like uh, we try to speak on, I'm personally trying to speak on speakerphone as much as I can. So it's all very well to have gloves to keep 
the virus off your hands, but then you pick up your phone with your gloves and stick it up to your to face to speak on. So if I'm on speaker, I don't have to hold it quite as close to my face. And um, and then uh, you can always, well, I haven't had a problem spraying my phone down with, with metho because it, it evaporates and dries pretty quick. And then once we get home, once once we get home, if I come home, we go straight around to the back door. I take my overalls or or my external clothes off and hang them on the back door. And come inside and put my put my keys and my phone in a designated spot where they're sprayed down with metho and I jump in the shower. So our house is our haven, it's the clean spot, and I need to keep it as clean as possible. So so anything outside the house is a potentially infected zone, I guess you could call it. Andrew, I'm curious, um, are you taking any specific precautions around visitors to the farm? So whether you've got vets, tanker drivers, um, I mean, it's not AI season for you at the moment, but you know, other people that might be coming onto the farm for various different things. You said you had some fertilizer spread on Monday. Are you taking any particular steps with uh, with those people and, and how are you managing the risk of potentially someone bringing something on farm via that route? Because we haven't reached the peak of cases yet, in fact, we're likely to be, if the modern, current modelling's correct, we're a good few months away from reaching the peak of cases, but the longer you leave it for people who need to come on to come onto the farm, the higher the chance that they're going to be bringing the virus onto the farm. So we've made the step of getting as much onto the farm as early as possible so we can bunker down later on. So uh, people are going to have to come on the farm and we'll try and stay as far away from them as possible and try and make it as though they have the least possible need to touch things while they're on the farm. So, um, And then we've got a view that everything that they do touch is potentially contaminated. So again, those... Those gloves are really important, and the gloves the gloves are great because yeah, I reckon you're a lot less inclined to actually touch your you, you talk and you touch your face without even realising it. At least when you've got gloves on, you still might need to scratch your face or something, but you're thinking about it before you touch your face generally. So Absolutely, it's impossible impossible to bite your nails when you've got gloves on. Yeah. Not not impossible. Not impossible to scratch uh, to pick your nose, unfortunately, but it's not nearly as satisfying. <laughs> oh, Andrew, that's a classic. Hey, um, so I guess one of the questions I have got for you, Andrew, is: Have you got concerns that farmers may not be taking this seriously, and and what would be your message to them? Last week, I was extraordinarily concerned that people weren't taking a serious taking it seriously, but. As each day that goes on, I think the number of people who aren't taking it seriously is is dramatically decreasing. My my concern is not only that some people aren't taking it seriously anymore, but perhaps now that people are who take it, who are taking it seriously, perhaps they might not quite be prepared for how long they're going to have to take it seriously for because I think it's going to be impossible to well 
I'm, I'm sure it's going to be impossible to eradicate the virus like New Zealand's taking the approach of now, which means we're going to have to either wait for a vaccine to become available, which who knows how long that will be, and to be made in, in sufficient number of doses to to vaccinate the population. And if that doesn't happen in a in a reasonably quickly manner, then we're going to have to wait to herd immunity develops amongst the population, which, which I mean, I'm no expert, I'm no epidemiologist, but um, that's just the way we're viewing things, which um, and basing our measures on that, we're, we're taking strict measures, but they need to be sustainable for many months too. Yeah, that's great, Andrew. So I'm hearing that your advice for farmers really is to take it seriously, plan um, and put some put some steps in place on your own farm, but just be prepared that we might be in this for the long haul. Is Would that would that be fair? And, and, and the other thing I haven't mentioned much is look after your health too. I'm, I'm making sure that I leave jobs that I'd normally do get undone for the for the day to make sure I get organised so I can get in bed on time, get a good night's sleep, and don't I'm not taking the I'm, sometimes we all may take risks on the farm that that probably aren't the smartest from an ock health and safety perspective. Now's not the time to take your risks, particularly in the upcoming weeks to months, because the last thing you want to do is end up in the healthcare system for a reason that isn't from COVID-19. You just want to stay well away from the place, because even if you go in there and you don't get COVID-19, with a stretched hospital system, you're not going to get the... It's just going to be impossible to get the care that you would in a time when COVID-19 wasn't running rampant. Sure, it's okay at the moment, but if but it, it very soon could be a completely different story. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. I think uh, you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, Andrew, do you have any advice, any other advice for farmers? I think we've probably covered um, really well some of the stuff you're doing. Is there anything else really that you wanted to touch on, I suppose, before we before we sort of wind up, what, what's your, have you got any other messages that you'd like to get out there other than what you've already Oh, look, we're, we're taking it seriously. But at the end of the day, we're, as an industry, if we, if we minimise our risks, we're in a very good position as far as the rest of the population goes. We're, we're able to continue our work at this stage in a in a very low risk manner. And um, and we're, as a profession, we deal with risk every day. So I think we're very well placed. We just need to be smart. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you've, you've wrapped that up really well, Andrew. Um, so uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Andrew. Um, we did have a couple of technological difficulties early on in the podcast. And um, again, I do apologise to the listeners about the sound quality when we're recording podcasts over the internet. Um, but I think we've still managed to have a really great discussion, Andrew, around the specific steps you're taking on farm. And, and it's uh, really pleasing to hear that, um, you know, particularly you're, you're taking some smart steps around managing your staff and particularly protecting them uh, as well as the risk to your business. So thank you very much for your time, Andrew. Good to talk to you, Steph. Thanks. 
And if anyone's looking for uh, specific guidance around managing COVID-19 uh, as it relates to dairy farms, you can visit the Dairy Australia website. That's www.dairyaustralia.com.au. And you'll see uh, down the bottom, there's a box specifically for COVID-19 directory. Uh, and there's loads of advice there around um, managing COVID risk with visitors uh, and uh, during milking and, and various other different things there that uh, should be of assistance to you. Uh, otherwise, you can get in touch with your regional development program. Um, if you've got a good relationship with your extension officers, they're also uh, able to help point you in the right direction. Um, everyone take care um, and please continue to uh, yeah, manage your risks um, and, and stay well. And as Andrew very nicely said, um, taking care of yourself um, is a, should be a really high priority. So thanks very much, Andrew, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks to Andrew and Steph for that important conversation. I know Andrew quite well, and he's a deep thinker on all things dairy farming. So it's really well worth following his advice on this issue. As Steph mentioned, you can find all the current COVID-19 advice for dairy farmers at dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash C19 or talk to your local RDP extension officer if you need more info. They'd be more than happy to help out. That's it for this episode. Don't forget you can check out all the previous DairyPod episodes at SoundCloud or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves and we will be back soon with the next episode.